We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean for W. Thank you for joining me today. <clears throat> Excuse me, the sound you just heard was off the books by the Beat Nuts featuring Big Pun. Rest in peace, Big Pun. That is from 1995, I want to say. No, that can't be. I think it might be like 97. I'll look it up. Um, for those listening on the podcast, you probably didn't hear that because Spotify is a hater and we're not trying to get, um, I'm not trying to fed, have the feds come up after us. Um, but if you go call the piece of it at the end, we appreciate We appreciate that. Um, while I wait for my co-host, Chris Persianen of WFUV and of Nick's Film School and of KFS Draft Class, I will discuss, let's discuss last night's game. For those, uh, we're recording this at 2.20 p.m. Sunday afternoon. That is 1.20 Central, 12.20 Mountain, and 11.20 for the Boss Robert Cross. And only for the Boss Robert Cross because we make sure that we go live at a time that works for his schedule because he's the boss. Um, last night, played a team from the Mountain Time Zone, the Denver Nuggets, last night, yesterday afternoon. And I will stress afternoon because it was a one o'clock start. And, you know, it's interesting because as Chris Persiani enjoys us, I will add him as a co-host. It's interesting because depending on who you talk to, the matinee game at the Garden, especially like the 12 or one o'clock tip off. Some people believe it's bad for the Knicks because it's real, it's early. Some people believe it's bad for the other team. Because especially a team that's not an East Coast team, and in, in, in this case, the Nuggets. So for them, basically, the game started at 11 a.m. And so it's interesting to see how people spin it, like, if it's a good or a bad thing. I always believe that if you can play, like, well, I believe two things. Uh, one, if you, if the team is good enough, it doesn't matter what time you start the game. Uh, for those who play fantasy football um, or follow football, um, but especially for those who play fantasy football, one of the common adages that one of the common adages in fantasy football is, oh, West Coast team, 
West Coast team travel east for a one o'clock game. Uh, the statistics show that there really is no advantage or dis- there's no disadvantage to the to the West Coast team travel east. What usually happens is the the team that loses is probably bad, so they can't deal with the discipline. But plenty of good teams that play in California, like the Rams or the the, the Seahawks or the Chargers. Or the or the Arizona Cardinals, if they're good, they will go to New York or Philly or, or Boston or New England, whatever, handle business. And I said the same thing, and I think that applies with the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets are clearly, by record, the best team in the Western Conference with the two-time MVP and the and the two-time MVP and so who's someone who's in the running for the third and Nikola Jokic. Um I don't think they're going to be like, oh, it's too early. They're not going to play. And they came out and they played. I mean, they started off a little we – we jumped out ahead of them early, but the Knicks are one of the best, if not one of the best first quarter teams in the league, especially at home. I'm actually going to look that up, and I, I should know this off the top of my head because I've actually been betting Knicks first quarter, Knicks first half for the majority of the season. Um and there's been a lot of my betting and sweating, a lot of my betting and sweating picks as well. So actually, I have this right here. Uh, the Knicks are the best team in the league in the first half of games. They are four, against the spread. They are forty-seven and twenty-three, and they are the they are the fifth best at home. They're they're, they're the fifth best first quarter team. But we at home, they're the best. Yes. They're the best team at home covering in the first quarter at 24 and 11. And I think for the, I think for the first half, oh, why won't this thing cooperate? Okay, now it's cooperating. Um, yes, and they're 25 and 9, 25, 9 and 2 um, in the first half at home covering the spread. So, uh, but the funny thing is they're actually pretty good on the, in the second quarter against the spread at home. Uh, yes, they are one, two, three. They are fourth in the league. But I bring this up because I made my bet for betting and sweating as Nick's fir- as Nick's first quarter, Nick's second quarter to cover in the second quarter because the Denver Nuggets were awful in the second quarter. They were fifteen and nineteen in the second quarter of games on the road. So, of course, when I pick them, that's when they go on a little run, um, punctuated by the Knicks deciding, you know what, we're just not going to close out on shooters. We're going to let Jamal Murray run around screens and get wide open threes. There was a play at the end of the second quarter um, where it was like a it was like a double action involving involving uh, Jokic. Murray and I forget who the other person is, and the three Knicks involved in the play were Randall, Iheart, and Josh Hart, and it, they ran like an off screen, and it looked like Iheart was just like in no man's land, and then they both, and then him and Randall both followed Jokic. No, then Iheart and um and Josh Hart both followed Jokic, and meanwhile here comes Mister uh, Murray just running around for open three, and I was like, they got to clean that up in the second half, and they did. And down the stretch, listen, down the stretch, um, Jalen Brunson, big time fadeaway to put us up to to put us up to then Julius Randle goes full Julius, gets himself in trouble, throws a pass, throws a pass away, trying to hit um, RJ on the wing. But he was up in the air, which, you know, is a cardinal sin. Shout out to Walt Clyde Frazier. Luckily, they got us. Luckily, we got to stop. 
And then you saw Brunson, and this is why we missed Jalen Brunson, because at that point, Brunson was like, all right, enough of this. I got the ball now. I will make something happen. Jones a foul on Murray, hits the two free throws. Nuggets come down. Shout out to Mitch. And John pointed out in the postgame yesterday, and I thought about it at the same time in real time. <clears throat> they found Jokic on the wing. He was open for three. Mitch had a really good closeout. Jokic head faked him. But the second jump, Mitch was able to recover and jump back. And I feel like that affected the shot a little bit. Jokic misses. Griff's the rebound. Gets the rebound. Uh, Brunson finds. They don't foul Brunson. Brunson finds Mitch for the alley-oop. 116-110. And for all intent, the game was over after that. So the Knicks are 42-30. 12 games over 500. Magic number to clinch a play to clinch a play in berth is five going after last night's game, but we don't care about that. We want to clinch the top six seed. Their magic number is eight. Now it's seven. I don't care what Andrew Claudio says because of tiebreakers. Tiebreakers only matter at the end of the season. So their magic number to clinch a top six seed is seven. So we are on our way. We're in good shape. The vibes are immaculate. Speaking of immaculate vibes. <coughs> Oh, <laughs> See, that was that's messed up. That is messed up. I was literally I had the perfect segue and then I started choking. Oh, oh, I started choking on my own saliva. That's terrible. Oh man. Um would you say that you, vibes. would you say that you choked that opportunity away? Choked that opportunity away for the perfect segue for my co-host from WFUV Sports, Chris Percy Iden. Chris, how are you? Good afternoon, Sean. I hope you're alive over there. Um, good luck with that. Get some good coughs in. Um, <laughs> this is so us to start a show like this. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, what's going on? The New York Knickerbockers yesterday defeated uh, the number one team in the Western Conference, led by a leading MVP candidate in Nikola Jokic, who... Frankly, they made have a bad game. Um, I reposted uh, a tweet that uh, my good friend Zach posted this morning where he pointed out uh, just how the Knicks guarded Nikola Jokic and, and that Western Conference playoff teams would likely be using these clips as their gospel. And, and I agree. The Knicks crowded the lanes. And they made the reads hard for Jokic. But he's really good at making reads. That's his whole game, right? That's what he does. And so they said, well, you can make the reads. You just have to make them off the bounce. You're going to have to dribble the ball, take it inside, and pass from there. Uh, and In fact, at one point, there was a, a point at which Murray came out with about six minutes left. He needed to rest. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. came in. And Jokic and Bruce Brown were taking turns playing point guard for the Nuggets. Uh, the Knicks did a good job in these minutes of making things difficult for these relatively unathletic players off the bounce compared to even guys like, like, do we think Bruce Brown and Nikola Jokic off the bounce can play make like a, like a Karis Levert, you know, like I, I, there's a very big difference between Jokic reading the floor like a wizard and Jokic having to read the floor when he's mid dribble in the lane with Mitchell Robinson smothering him. Um, he is a top five player in the league today He's not so good when you can make everything hell for him because you take advantage of, of who his teammates are and, and 
things like that. And and that is what the Knicks did. And, and, you know, there was a big chance they lost that game. Denver gets a couple of those late threes to break their way. We've seen the Knicks blow plenty of game late. Um, But the Knicks continue to take care of business against good and bad teams. Sean and I have said all along this year that even the games against uh, teams that are low in the standings are a test for this Knickerbocker squad because they have not always taken care of business. They have played with their food. Um, and to see them this year fire on all cylinders, be a good team with good defense, with great rebounding, with great team chemistry, with a good coach, with pretty good to solid shooting, with great offensive initiation, with good team synergy, arguably great team synergy, I would say great. It's all clicking for this team, and, and they are legitimately one of the best teams in the NBA today. And and what's interesting about that is um, I've brought up Sacramento and Los Angeles before. You don't want to see them in the first round. You don't think they'll win the finals or even make the finals, but you really don't want to see them in that first round. And the Knicks are, are firmly in that category for me. They're firmly in that category of no one sees this team winning the finals, but those same people are lying to themselves if they do not think that this Knicks team, as deep as it is, has what it takes to potentially defeat a, a squad like Cleveland, who, despite having uh, arguably the best player out of the two teams, well, I'd say the Cavaliers' second best player is worse than the Knicks' second best player. I would take Randall over Garland today, not going forward, but today, and keep going down the list. Allen and Robinson are, are honestly similar at this point. Those debates can resurface if people would like. Mobley is fantastic. Barrett is fantastic. Both mess up a lot because they're young. Um, they have a Coro. We have Grimes. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, with the Knicks having a better, deeper roster than Cleveland, it shouldn't be out of the question for them to defeat Cleveland in the playoffs. Oh, but the playoffs are about stars. Right. So how far has James Harden made it? Okay. How far has Joel Embiid made it? Has he touched an Eastern Conference Finals in his career? Not to my knowledge. I'm asking the floor here, Sean. No, he is not. And uh, when you look at Trey Young, well, he's made an Eastern Conference Finals. That run made the team decide that they needed to improve in certain areas. And then they got worse. Arguably stayed the same, but the rest of the, the East got better. Please let and, the minutes reflect that the the Atlanta Hawks mortgaged their future on trading for DeJounte Murray, who took them from eighth to eighth. Please continue. And they did so because you have to trade for a 25. You have to trade for an all-star when they're available because stars are available often in the NBA. That's why three days later, Kevin Durant was available. And and the Hawks fans said, and the Knicks fans that wanted DeJounte said, well, uh, it's, it's Kevin Durant. You have to trade for a 25-year-old all-star guard when they're available because those don't come around often. One week later, 25-year-old all-star guard and Donovan Mitchell was made available. Trades happen more than you think, more than your friend thinks, and more than even GMs of teams think sometimes. These guys want out all the time, all the time. And... um. Sometimes it's a change of scenery. Sometimes they don't like what's going on. The thing is that there could be a million different factors. It doesn't matter what it is if the guy leaves. Harden's already eyeing Houston, Google eyeing Houston. Um, I, I think 
things around the league will change soon. And as they change, all you want, all you want is to be in the best position possible to potentially benefit from those changes. For example, Los Angeles Lakers put themselves in a position where they could turn their young core that they were looking to move regardless into someone who is today their best player in Anthony Davis. Uh, that worked out cool for them. They got a championship, too. Um, I'll leave the the bubble politics out of it. They got a championship, period. Um, you want to be as best prepared as possible to add a star to your foundation and not need to go make a million moves after. The concept of get the star first and make it work later does not apply to this modern NBA where if it doesn't work at first with the star, the star will leave. Donovan Mitchell is a free agent in 2025. Do you think he stays in Cleveland? I bet Ohioans do. What about the rest of the country? Now, I have heard his relationship with Leon Rose is not what it once was, that the Knicks may not be a preferred destination for him at that point in time anymore. If Rose is still running the team, maybe he felt slighted by Rose, feeling that he wasn't worth it to to go all in for um, but the Jazz have an all-star starter in Laurie Marketing, and the Knicks have Jalen Brunson. The Cavaliers have Donovan. Like, these good players come around and go around. There's a lot of talent in the NBA to the point where they want expansion, right? And as a big market, you were already in a great position to land that talent if you were the Knicks. Unfortunately, the Knicks did everything possible that they could to make talent not want to come. Now, the expectation for the Leon Rose regime was to fix that, to give an organization that lacked organization structure and to come in and acquire star caliber players. They're set up for that. And they could have acquired two stars, three stars already if they wanted. But they're waiting for the right one. And that prudence should be credited, as should the team building they've done outside of their star chase. They've improved in the margins. Jalen Brunson is not a New York Knick without Ed Davis. Ed Davis was key to Jalen Brunson being a New York Knick because when the Knicks finagled around with their $5 million in cap space and turned it into four second-round picks or whatever, well, those are part of the six second-round picks that they swapped Burks, Noel, and Walker for um, to, to dump them. You know, all, everything's connected. It's all, it's all part of this plan to build up an asset base build up a a team that's good on its own, and then have stars want to add themselves to that team. The Knicks are at a point now, and I've argued since last year that they were at this point last offseason with Donovan Mitchell where they can be picky as to what star they want, and this year was proof that that argument was correct. They could be picky because they are better this year than they would have been if they had made the all-in trade for Mitchell. I say that because... When you look at Cleveland's depth, now it's not the best. And and New York's depth, they didn't have a Garland. They didn't have, right? It would have been Mitchell and Randall. That would have been the show here. Brunson as a number three, right? Like it it just, Donovan really likes Julius. So he loved playing with him in the All-Star game. They're they're buddies. Um, I had heard, you know, before Donovan was on the outs, he asked Ainge if he would get him Randall instead of Gobert. Um and, and that he wanted Randall out for, you know, he was like, hey, go buy low on Julius, bring him to Utah with us. And that didn't work out because Ainge wanted quickly and a whole bunch of other stuff because he acted like he was doing the Knicks a favor for taking Randall when he was really just trying to appease Donovan. Um, but I'm getting off track. Basically, 
you just want to set yourself up as best as possible to be ready to take on a star and not be, you know, out of assets after. That's what happened in the Carmelo Anthony deal when the Knicks short-sightedly amnestied the wrong player and set themselves up for failure. Leon Rose was instrumental in that whole process as Carmelo's agent in getting him to New York. He knew exactly what went wrong. So for people who thought that the Rose regime would go out of their way to, to rush a star trade, well, his client was on the losing side of that for like seven years. Why would he want to replicate that on his own team? You know something, Chris? That's a very good point because so many people – so many, so many people who were um, critical of the Leon Rose regime, they point to well, especially early on, they point to well, look what look what he did with when he was Mel's agent and all the stuff that he did and all the CA stuff, yada yada yada. And my pushback always would be, why would Le- like you know people are saying things like you know, oh, he's just taking the job for to get his friends paid and da da da. I'm like, he was getting his friends paid anyway. When when people used the Brunson signing as proof of their conspiracy theory that this was all just a large Ponzi scheme to put money in the pockets of Kentucky and CAA representatives, I was so beyond – like I didn't even have the energy to talk about that. I remember when Leon was hired, Nick fans' biggest complaint was, oh, well, does this mean we're going to sign a bunch of CAA guys and draft Kentucky guys? And I was like, I hope so. You should hope so. <laughs> well, right, I'm, and everyone's like, "Well, well, but but nepotism, this and that. I'm like, yeah, guess what? The world is run on, bud. <laughs> you know, like these NBA stars go to places they have connections. I'm sorry that the Knicks were not are not going to do team building in the ethical, perfect manner that you imagined in your head. They're going to go be asses and big dogs. They're going to go outbid and outspend people and teams. Yeah, if, 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 yeah, like, if people don't think that works, like like People should people should look up um people should Google um Nick Arison and people should Google Nick Nick Arison two thousand and eight Olympics and you tell me you tell me um if 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 the right way to build there's a quote unquote right way to build so all right listen um Chris that was amazing thank you I I, I People, some people just like to see the world burn. Um, if anyone has any comments they'd like to make or any questions, feel free to raise your hand. We'll welcome you to the stage. If you are unable to join the stage, but you have a question or a comment, you can leave it in the chat on the lower right. Shout out to the chat gang. And we will at, we will address your comment or answer your question on the stage. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to everyone in the audience. Uh, first and foremost, the boss, Robert Cross. Thank you. Um, we thank you for being such a committed member of the Knicks Film School community. Um, and that is why we have these we have study hall at a time that is perfect for you to attend. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, shout out to Alex. Shout out to Busy. Shout out to... Shout out to Baby Yoda, Sino. Sino is it Sino or Sino? I actually got to figure that out. Um, and I just looked at your profile. Nick's finna be the almighty fourth seed again. You are hilarious. Um, the Reverend Claudio's Nick's praise team. Shout out to you, who should not be confused with uh, Pastor Claudio and his Obi Hive, which I didn't realize that was not the same thing. But it's okay. You're doing good work out here, so we appreciate that. Um, and who else we got here? I uh, see. Wait a minute. Why can't I? Why can't I go? Ernest M. Ernest M. Big up to you. Appreciate appreciate you. Um, we do have some comments 
um, that I would like to. Oh, shout out to Johan Peters who says salute to everybody. What a time to be a Knicks fan. What a time to be a Knicks fan. Um, we do have some comments, so I'm going to get to these comments first while I wait for others, for, wait for anyone who wants to raise their hand and come to the stage. So first, we'll start off with Robert W. Cross. He says, I have us going eight and two the rest of the way. That is 50 wins for those, those of you who do not know how to count. It is time to elevate the conversation. We are no longer underdogs. We are big dogs. Hashtag ECF Dark Horse. So, Robert, I will say I'm going to echo what John said yesterday in the post game, and that is hashtag 53 wins needs to needs to run forever. Like I know the Knicks cannot win 53 games. Even if they won their last 10, they will win. They would win 52, but you 53 hashtag 53 wins needs to stay forever. <clears throat> With that being said, ECF dark horse. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? It is time for us to not stop being. And this goes to your, the, the, the next comment you have up here. Good intro as we elevate our attitudes towards the east of the NBA. Up starts no more. We about to write a story this spring that's not a tall tale. Why not us, Robert? Why not us? But because you brought up with eight and two, we get to play Mike and the Mad Dog and look at this game, see how realistic this is. So, uh, Chris, would you like to be? Would you first? Are you familiar with the Mike and the Mad Dog schedule game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have to ask because listen. I haven't listened to. I don't listen to the radio as much as I used to. I'm. I know. I'm young, but I also do study journalism and sports broadcasting, so it makes up for it. Uh, I know my. I know a little bit okay. of my history. All right. So I will be. I will be Mike, and you'll be Dog, and I'll read this off, and you give me your honest. You give me your honest um, estimation of whether it's a win or not. So first, tomorrow night. For the we are taping this again. We're recording again on Sunday afternoon. Tomorrow night, home for Minnesota, no Anthony Edwards, win or a loss. Win. All right, just let me get a piece of paper so I can. Even if he, and if he plays, still a win. You know something? I was thinking the same thing. Like, but you know, some, you know what? Shout out to my man, uh, Chris Barnett, aka Hoop Spaces, who tried to tell me that uh, Anthony Edwards is a top five player in the NBA right now. And while Anthony Edwards is a dog, and I'd love to have him on my team, the idea of Anthony Edwards is better than Anthony Edwards. Like, he's 21. Like, let him... And honestly, and I'll say this, even though that team can't do jack offensively without him, like, let's let's pump the brakes to Anthony Edwards a little bit. Again, he's a dog. Uh, hey, man, at his age, I'll take 24-7-4 on a 50-plus true shooting. Oh, on I would play. absolutely take him on my team. Don't get... Do not get it twisted. And he will be top five one day, assuming that, you know, both Wemby and Scoot don't reach like 100 percentile outcomes. Yes, yes. But right now, top five is a bit much. Like I started running off players. That guy will lead that guy will lead the league in scoring one day. If Brad Beal can do it, he, he will sleepwalk <laughs> to that. But I think Brad Beal's great. I think Ann Edwards is like Brad Beal if he was two inches taller. So and well, let me not say that. OK, Uh <laughs> Next up, Wednesday night. He's got to drop the McDonald's before I before I say he's not a loser. <laughs> Wednesday night, we return to the scene of the crime, the Miami Dade Arena, to face the Heat. What say you? <laughs> <laughs> They've got to be so mad. Riley had to be so mad. I'm gonna go loss because that is a try hard team, and they're gonna they're gonna do a thing. 
they're, we're going to be but, upset. But you know what's funny, Chris? The last time you played them was their try-hard game. That was their, what did they score, 120 points? That was their, like, I feel as if they, their game plan was, like, if we turn up the intensity and turn this into, like, a playoff game, they will fold. Because I've seen a couple of Heat games this year, and what I saw during that game against them, that is not how they played. They just got clapped by the Bulls. Like, they let they let Pat Bev go on a 14-0 run. Not the Bulls. Patrick Beverly went on a 14-0 run. Like, I, they, like, we took their best shot, and we won. Now, I see, I, at the same time, I know where you, I see where you're coming from. They're going to turn it up again. And especially since they need the game, because any ch- like, they lose that game. Any chance that the top six is done. Because, as you see, the title of this space, the magic number is in the work. Their magic number is... Their, their tragic number, our magic number, is seven. So even if we lose and they win... Even if we lose, even if we lose to Minnesota, and let me see if do they play Monday night? Do they play Monday night? Let's see. ESPN is not loading for me. They play. Oh, they play tonight. They play at the Pistons tonight. Okay. So even if they win, even if they win and we lose, if they we, if we beat them, their magic num- the magic number basically basically becomes five. Well, actually, basically becomes four because then we'll have the season. We'll have the season series. So. But let's, we'll put that as a loss. Okay. Now, back-to-back, Thursday night at Orlando. Chris, win or loss? I'm thinking. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to I say win because the Magic are at the point in their season where they're going to start experimenting. <laughs> I like that term, experimenting. All right. Then, after two days off, they return home for the Houston Rockets. That's a win. Actually, no, three days off because they that, they, they, that, that game is Monday night. That's a win. Yes, that's a, oh, but listen, man, the Rockets are frisky. So you know how you said the Magic are, you know, experimenting. I think the Rockets are doing a different type of experiment, and that experiment is we basically cannot be worse. We cannot base. We will be one of the three worst teams in the league. So let's just start trying, and that's what they're doing. And now they're just trying to win games. And listen, they 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 just beat um. They just beat the Celtics the other night. They have some. They have some frisky. They have some frisky wins. They beat the Lakers recently. They yeah. The the, the Rockets have won three in a row. Boston, L.A., New Orleans. I mean, two of those teams stink. Well, one team stinks. One of them is they didn't have uh, Anthony Davis, but whatever. All right, so you have. All right, so you have that as a win. So that's two and one. Now, I don't know. You have that. As, that's a that's three and one. Okay. At <laughs> Friday night at Cleveland, man, I'm gonna go with loss because the Cavaliers in their final 17 games had two that were both on the road and against a above 500 team. They have every right to be rolling right now, and that's why they're still nicely two and a half games ahead of the Knicks in the standings. I'm going to go with the loss there, and it's because the Cavaliers are, are going to be really hot to end the season. Um, don't necessarily see that going the same way when they meet up in the playoffs, but if they do. But I do know that both times, you know, Donovan Mitchell lost to the Knicks this year at, at Madison Square Garden. He, that's something that he did not enjoy. So um, obviously, you know, every star is going to try. Everyone's going to right, but you know, pissed off Mitchell, just really trying to make sure the Cavs host that playoff series. They're going to treat that game like a must-win to make sure we stay behind them. Um, I see Cleveland being themselves against the Knicks for the first game this year. 
All right, so I'll write that down. And any thoughts of the almighty 4C, which I did tweet about, it'll be amazing. The problem is Cleveland, as to, and, you know, as to what Chris just mentioned, their remaining schedule is two games at Brooklyn, that like Tuesday night, Thursday night at Brooklyn, Houston at Atlanta, Knicks, Pacers, two against Orlando, who will be full experimental mode by then before Charlotte. Their schedule is cake. In fact, if we if we get the Almighty Fourth C, they will be they should be relegated. So, uh, and, and you know something, I don't mind them being a fifth seed. I don't mind the Knicks being a fifth seed. And I said this on the most recent Casual Friday podcast because um, if we play in the first round, we get a split in Cleveland. We win games three and four at home. We go to Cleveland. We get game five. So we go to Cleveland. We lose game five. And then game six, Madison Square Garden will be unlike anyone has heard that building this century. That is what I want. I want game six jumping, a jumping, jubilant, frenzied Madison Square Garden that makes Don Mitchell think, you know what? Maybe I should have forced my way there, but whatever. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, Sunday, April 2nd, home for Washington. When? Wednesday, April 5th at Indiana. Ooh, we get... Do we do we get a rest game out of the Knicks at that point where they say where they say to Jalen, hey, you can sit tonight. You know, actually, Brunson will want to outduel Halliburton. He's that kind of dog. I'm going to go win Friday night at New Orleans, Friday, April 7th. 
they're a mess right now. Win. Agreed. And then to close the season at home, Sunday at one o'clock against those same Indiana Pacers. I'm gonna go lost there. That one I that one I'll say Indiana you know, New York puts out the third stringers. All right. So that is a four, five, six, seven, eight. For some reason I have I have nine games here. Hold on a second. You said Minnesota's a win. Miami's yeah. a Miami's a loss. Orlando's yes. a win. Houston's a win. Oh, I skipped the I'll, I skipped the second Miami game. Um. So after Houston, uh, we'll, we'll split those. We'll split those. Okay. So that's six and that, so that is six and four. So you all heard it here first. Chris Persian and told Robert Cross to go scratch. Um. But listen, I'll take six and four because that's forty eight. That's forty eight wins. And who would have thought this team would have won forty eight games? So I'll absolutely take it. Um. Shout out to Reverend Claudio's Nick Sprays team for his iHeart analytics. This is a, which is a picture of Thibodeau smiling. And by smiling, I mean he's growling. That's what Thibodeau does. Um, back to Robert Cross, who says, we are going to kick the Cavs' ass at five. Uh, listen, Mensa said that on a casual Friday pod. I know. He said it on a casual Friday pod or a playback. I can't remember because I'm old. Um but he said he said we'll kick their ass in five, and I said, "Oh, actually, it was on Casual Friday." And I said, "The reason I say six is because it's actually very rare for a team to win Game Five on the road to close a playoff series, and that is the that is the one thing that bothered me the most about losing to Atlanta in twenty twenty one. Is not that we lost; is that we lost Game Five at home. Like usually, when you're down three one, you win Game Five at home, and then you go to their place Game Six, and then you get your ass kicked. Um, so I would listen. If the Knicks walk into um, Quicken Loans Arena or Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, whatever the hell it's called nowadays, shout Dan Gilbert, and win a Game Five on the road to send them home. Lord have mercy. People are going to have to block me. Um, okay. This next one, this next comment, I'm going to throw this to you, Chris. Uh, this is from Johan Peters. He says, how big is the gap between Brunson or, Rand- Brunson or Randall and someone like Mitchell? Brunson is a star, but what more does he have to do before the yeah, but is removed? Great question. Um, the gap between Randall and Mitchell is that you can deb- you can trust on Mitchell to do it every game and in the playoffs. Randall is not a game in game out star. Um, he has been one this year, but he needs to earn that reputation. And he is not a playoff performer um, in a number one role on a team, which is the only role he's had in the playoffs. So uh, I do think he needs to show a lot in the playoffs um, this year uh, for Brunson. Uh, he is a star now. He is a star today. Um, agreed. I do think that another, on the national level at least, it will take doing it without Doncic for the yeah but to be removed. So the second he has a 35-point game in the playoffs in orange and blue, people will say he's him. Um, last year, casual fans couldn't get it out of their head that it was because of Luka that he was good. Uh, I always argued that Luke playing with Luca helped him a lot. I also always argued that he was very good when Doncic was off the court and that that wasn't part of why I was always part of the debate of, of Brunson or no Brunson. Um, he was going to succeed without Doncic, uh, given that there were other creators in his offense. Randall is one of those. Um, we'll, we'll see how Randall does as a number two. We'll see how Brunson does as a number one. These guys will 
earn their reputations now based off of this. I do think the Knicks' success this year has made a lot of people get forced to wipe their slates clean with Julius Randle. You know, he was just a meme for a while. Spin cycle, whatever, you know, Beyblade. Now it's like, oh, this guy made the All-Star game twice. I should probably, like, I can say he's not that good, but I have to acknowledge he's good. And so that's where people are at. Um, If they both put together a good playoff series and then get embarrassed in the next one, we're going to still be there. Um, But at least, you know, the Knicks fans will know. And the the people that watch the games will know. I think on the the national media level, um, you're going to need another 40-point game from Brunson this year, and he'll be considered a real true star. I agree. Which is a a nuts expectation, but that's where the national media is at, so that's where we have to be. Yeah, I mean, listen, everyone would – listen, if – if Jalen Brunson had been doing what he what he's been doing now, um, if he was still doing it in Dallas, I think the star label would be clearly slapped on him. I now I don't know if he'd be able to do it because of the heavy usage that Luca has. Although I think as you as I think this season, Brunson, who is clearly getting more into his own, would have the. Ability to tell um, to tell Luca to go scratch on certain possessions, which is a perfect segue to the next comment on the jumbotron. And I'm glad you put this up here, Chris, because I thought of this live as it happened. Um, and it's from it's a tweet from Prez from the Strickland. Shout out to Prez, and he said IQ was confident yesterday. LOL. Son looked off Randall for two. Call my own number three. Call my number ISOs three bricks to the end of third. Then a minute to the fourth, he cashed this. And I actually remember at one point, because I remember I, re- I remember seeing Schwin, Schwinny Poole on the timeline earlier this week say, or late last week, say, like, IQ has to do a better job of shrugging off Randall when Randall wants to do his ISO Julius ball-stopping whatever stuff, um, which I totally agree with. But, I mean, that's something that comes with time. That's development. And so I remember seeing, you know, in the fourth, like, Julius was asking for a uh, – he was asking for like the ISO, literally like the top of the key with like 18 off the shot clock. And IQ was like, no. I was like, that's what we need to see. We need to see more of that. And then he took that fadeaway three from the court and I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, so shout out to Prez. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on that play? Um, I know you probably loved it too. I mean, I don't need to, I, I, I don't want to come off as like, jaded here like i'm almost done talking about how surprising it is that emmanuel quickly is good i was saying it a full calendar year ago and actively being told by members of the nick fan base that those games didn't actually matter because the teams weren't trying so we've seen this we know this none of this should be surprising just took some certain people over a year to figure it out it took other people um the, the front office being willing to trade him and their agendas against the front office to be like, oh, well, actually, we should keep him. Um, you know, that that's not – this kid has been a puppet his whole career for Thibodeau, for the front office politics. He, he gets tossed around in trade conversations like nothing. It's like that was never – that was never an accurate valuation of his game. Congrats on catching up a full year late. Uh, I saw recently, you know, so, uh, I think it was a really well-respected and, and well-known film analyst nationally be like, Emmanuel Quickly's really impressed me on defense this year. And I'm like, did you just not watch him last year? He's ju- Yes, like, he did not what? watch him last year. That's exactly the, that's, like, the, that's, the, that's the answer. 
I started this year saying quickly was the best perimeter defender on the Knicks over Grimes. And I was told how, well, if that were true, Thibodeau would think that and whatever. And now I was like, well, the numbers back it up and the tape backs it up. So that's what I'm going to believe. And now at the end of the season, you know, you have people agreeing and it's like, oh, well, quickly really stepped it up. No, he just put together a full year sample size, which you decided was what was necessary. Okay, (laughs) cool. Absolutely. Um, Quickly, I mean, last year quickly was good defensively. So then again, listen, I can't blame the national writers for not paying attention to Emmanuel quickly because our own team didn't even didn't prioritize Emmanuel quickly enough. But um, to say that, like, oh, he just started playing defense now. It's like, whatever. Like, okay, that's fine. Uh, Next question comes from Brian. Shout out, Brian. Thank you for your question. Um, if the Knicks make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, what is the main reason? If the Knicks lose in the first round, what is the main reason? Okay, if the Knicks make the first round, if the Knicks make the Eastern Conference Finals, what the main reason is they get Cleveland, they beat Cleveland, then they play, then they get Philly as the one seed. James Harden goes full playoff Harden. Uh, Embiid does this thing where Embiid gets the injury that he always seems to get in the playoffs. Um, and Tobias Harris is still Tobias Harris. Uh, and we, and we're able to win. Um, I actually think it's either that or somehow Boston, um, recovers from, Emmanuel quickly prancing around their court for 55 minutes and gets their stuff together and gets the one seed because I am absolutely positively not afraid of the Boston Celtics. You can clip this. You can remember it, write it down, take a picture of it. I don't give a, like, that's what happens. So that's it. And, 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 and now I don't want to say it's just because we have to get lucky. Although, you know, every good team needs luck. I will say also, listen, Randall keeps doing what he's doing. Brunson keeps doing what he's doing. Teams try and and, and RJ Barrett, and we're gonna get to him in a second. RJ Barrett is that number is that third guy that we need, um, and he steps it up and he's consistent with it. We're still able to rebound. No rebounds, no rings. iHeart still does his thing. You know, iHeart against Joel Embiid will be very will be very necessary. Um, Josh Hart continues to be Josh Hart. Quentin Grimes hits open threes when he gets some IQ keeps keeps being IQ and that's what happens. What happens and what's the main reason we lose? You know, it's funny. You said a main reason I gave you 73. I apologize. So um, what's the main reason Knicks lose in the first round? The main reason is whoever we play decide Jalen Brunson is not going to beat us. And then, which causes Julius Randle to revert to 2021 against the Hawks. Um, I will now throw this question to Chris to give me your thoughts. What are the main reasons? What's the main reason Knicks make it to the ECF and the main reason to make they don't make out the first round? Um, they don't make it out the first round if the shooting doesn't come along. If they can't make their open shots in a playoff environment where the game slows down, the court shrinks, every possession matters more, then they're not going to make their you know they're not going to be able to catch up score wise they can hold the other team to as few points as they want but those five six point swings where the Knicks make miss a three and the other team makes one on a fast break will will bury them um if they are not able to guard Garland and Mitchell which i don't believe will happen because McBride and quickly gave those two more trouble than i've seen any backcourt all year 
and and now they have heart over McBride and now they have better players and Quickly's even better of a defender and, and Grimes is really locked in and, and all that good stuff. Um, but that would be why would be it would be because they can't shoot the ball well enough to stay in games. Randall ends up being a shooter and goes three for eleven from deep and, and it just doesn't work out. Um, if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, like I've said, since the heart acquisition is very possible um, to then lose in those Eastern Conference Finals, but to make it there, it would be because the seeding worked out in a way where they caught uh, a Philadelphia team exhausted after a seven-game first-round series or something like that, um, where they catch a Boston team. It, you know, maybe it took took longer to win their first-round series than people thought it would, and, and now the Knicks get get a rest advantage on them, or maybe they go and beat Cleveland in seven and, and are so exhausted by the second round that they're easy pickings for a team like Philadelphia. Um, but if they do make it, it's because they did have some rest. They did have either rest enough or a rest advantage um, and that they played their game and just bully balled their way, ground and pound their way to the ECF. I, I do see a second round exit as what's most likely here, but I keep thinking about it and it's like if they – they win the first round then they're probably good enough to win the second and then lose in the third if they lose the first round obviously they're out but they were never making it to the, the ecf in the first place okay perfect um uh we just brought robert cross up here robert i'm gonna have you close when we get through these questions i want to have you you um close the space with your comments unless anyone else wants to come up and speak if you do the um the stage is wide open all right next um Next question from Busy. Shout out to Busy. Um, I'll throw this to you, Chris, to answer first. Um, thoughts on RJ abandoning three-point shot and working on a mid-range game instead? He is presumably working on his three in practice with less than, resi- less than re- desired results. Now, why not take a step in and let, the- let that be his starting point like DeMar DeRozan? Chris, your thoughts. Did you watch the 2021 NBA season? <laughs> um, that is where you watched R.J. Barrett be a successful catch-and-shoot three-point threat. Um, That's in him. So that's his role in this offense right now. If you don't have Brunson and Randall, sure, he's doing more initiating. But his role in this offense right now, yeah, is a lot of catch-and-shoot, a lot of stand in the corner and wait. Um, And we're seeing him now, when he does get the ball, take it to the rim instead of trying to do a step-back mid-range trying to create his own shots from beyond the arc. When he does get to playmake, he, he playmakes or takes it to the rim. Um, he's been working on his mid-range game, but he's a low-feel player. So that's going to take a while to come along. Um, when you are low-feel, you cannot learn to shoot off the bounce, off the dribble, movement, off the catch, off one dribble, off two dribbles. I sound like ball don't stop, but like you can't learn all that stuff if – your low feel that has to come along slowly. And that's, that's where Barrett is. He's coming along. You've seen games where he's looked loose and and slender and, and um, had some wiggle to him. Like many said would be his downfall in the league, not having wiggle. Um, I remember like Trevor trout and those guys were all saying that it was a conspiracy against Alonzo Trier that Barrett started and Trier came off the bench um, and that if it weren't for Barrett's draft stock, he would have been sent to the G League already because he's so bad. He came out the next season and, and just made that look really stupid. 
Um, there's always been this thing with Barrett where it's like, well, he doesn't look like a ball handling star now. So why, when will he be one? That's development. Got to let things happen. RJ is going to do a lot of work on the mid range this summer, if I had to guess, because that's where he's understanding his game is. Um, but he's been working on it all along. He's been working on threes all along. Um, it's just a matter of putting it all together. So I agree with you that you, in order to be a wing in this league, you have to hit open threes. Unless your name is Jimmy Butler. And you know me, I have, and I, I know I'm not alone. I'm not breaking any ground here, but the ceiling for that kid is Jimmy Butler. And what does Jimmy do? Jimmy, Jimmy said it the other day. He's like, Smosa wants me to take more threes. I want to get into the lane and bully people. And the funny thing is, and just, we've actually been discussing this among the casuals lately. RJ's, like, I think the last, like, yesterday's game, eight of 13 from two, five of six free throws. Like, that might be the way. Now, you should, now, I'm not saying he should never take threes. You know, if he took two threes a game, that's fine because they're going to leave you open. And if you hit one of them, that's fine with me. But, Get to the damn rack, Rowan. Get to the rack. You are people like to like you know the dumb thing people like to say is like, what is RJ good at? Within one elite thing he's good at, and it's like, oh, he's able to get to the rim at will. And there are people actually think like, what does that mean? That doesn't matter. It's like, listen, if everyone can get to the rim at will, then there, there's a lot of people that who would be in this league who are not, and a lot of people who are bench guys who would be starters. He, no one can stop RJ Barrett from getting to the rim. So once he cleans up what he does at the rim, and and more importantly, because you know everyone has to kick it, uh, beat him with the efficiency stick, is his free throws. Then all that goes away. Um, but you should hit free throws. I mean, you should take you should take threes. But I don't know if he should be taking like seven or eight a game. Not that it's what he's doing now, but like RJ, I say get to the rim. Get to the rim. Get to the rim. All right. Uh, next question from Ernest M. Great job. Salute to the chat. What is the end game for Obi to finish the season, playoffs, and beyond? Clearly, Randall is not going anywhere. Uh, I'll start. Now, throw to Chris. I mean, listen, Obi's going to play 15 minutes a game. Um, I Will there be a situation where it may make sense to play Obi more minutes based on a matchup or, or you know, they're breaking out a zone or something like that? That will be what, which actually reminds me, one of the other reasons why, um, one of the other reasons why I'd be concerned about Knicks getting out of the first round is, so, is if some team comes out with some game plan and Thibodeau doesn't adjust. Um, Thibodeau has been way more flexible this season. Like, like, Watching them hunt uh, Jamal Murray yesterday was a joy and a treat, especially since I still have nightmares of um, Trey Young being able to, like, drink a beer and eat a sandwich in the corner on defense because uh, we ran – we Reggie Bullock just didn't do anything and we didn't hunt him at all. Um, but other than that, I like I think Obi. What you're seeing from Obi is what you're going to see from Obi. Twelve to twelve to fifteen minutes a game, and throughout the playoffs. And when after this season, 
because he's like clearly they're not gonna sign him to extension um because he's gonna want to get paid I, I don't know i honestly don't even know uh chris i'll throw it to you okay sorry i just tried unmuting myself and it kept muting me um yeah obi's probably gonna have a new team um his agent is sam rose sam rose knows the reality of the Knicks situation very well um sam rose also has an inside look at what the knicks are going to be doing uh a very good inside look and so you know when you get to that point to me where you're talking about well uh, can we swap him the position swap him for someone that would play or what like yeah you should find a new home for that guy especially if you care about him so much um you know, I asked Thibodeau earlier in the season if the amount of perimeter shots he was taking was like that something they thought was a developmental necessity. You know, I asked Tom, hey, do you guys see it as um, the league is changing and that he needs to be a more perimeter oriented player? Um, and and that's he kind of agreed. He was like, yeah, we don't want him to just be a, a, a rim runner. We wanted him to develop more of a game and, and whatever. And like it's really coming along. And I think Obi's going to be really good. But, um, like, all the takes about how he's a bust and everything, like, those are going to age like absolute crap. That kid is really good. Um, he's going to be really good. He's good now at basketball. Like, he's a good player today. Um, I would love, love to see the switch up from all these national guys if he is traded to the Indiana Pacers and has Halliburton playmaking for him. Because they're either going to have to acknowledge that one of the two guys is not all that, and it's, it's you know <laughs> it can't be the guy's fault who's just running and trying to catch lobs like that, or they're going to lie and be like that's the best duo on the planet and the best thing since sliced bread and the Knicks are so dumb for trading Toppin away. It's like well the whole time he was on the team you called him a bust. Now they're dumb for trading. You know it's just it's going to be funny. People are going guarantee you same way that happened with the Porzingis trade where. Um, when Dallas traded him away to Washington, everyone was afraid to clown Dallas for it because they'd clown New York for the original trade. So now they don't want to con- contradict themselves and have Nick fans in their replies making them look stupid. Same thing is going to happen with Obi Toppin, where you're going to see him do really well on another team, and people are just either going to talk about it like it's the Knicks' fault or not talk about it at all because they'd have to admit they were wrong about him being a bust. He's going to be really good. Um, it might not be on the Knicks probably won't be on the Knicks that he is really good. So, yeah. Oh, listen, first of all, there are people that still think that the, the Mavs won the Porzingis trade with us. And I'm like, bro, you need to take, like, you need to take the, the Knicks or Clicks, you need to take that off. Um, Last comment before we get to the callers. Um, This is from LS87NY. Thank you uh, again for contributing. He says, been watching a lot of Heat games. Jimmy Butler's on an insane level right now. I don't think we've heard the last of them, and I can absolutely see them winning a playoff series as long as they get the seven seed. So playoff Jimmy's a thing. I will not will I will not uh argue with you about that at all. Um the problem is the rest of the heat stink. Um like Kyle Lowry, okay. Um Tyre Hero's good, but um he's a cone. Um their $90 million man can't play in Duncan Robinson. Uh, you can only depend on Max Strews and, and Gabe Vincent for so long. Um, so, yes, if they're – well, first of all, if they're a seven seed, they got – well, if they're a seven seed and they play the eight seed um, Hawks, they will get the Hawks all the way out the paint. So – and then they will go play um, – hmm. They'll play either – it looks like either Philly or 
Boston. And I know one one Celtics fan with a very large platform and a week and a, and a podcast three times a week says he doesn't want any part of Miami. I would say, listen, if there's any time you want Miami, this would be the time to want Miami. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on Miami? I think Jimmy Butler is the master of every single year, perfectly pacing himself to a point where everyone thinks this is the year that he's washed and then coming out in the playoffs and shitting on everyone. Um, he's really good. He's still really good. He's at a level right now that is at the top that he's been at um, in Miami. And, and he is 100% capable of having another run like he did in the playoffs with Miami before where he was a shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, is the rest of Miami ready for that? Uh, that's where I agree with you. I think Adebayo is great. I think Randall versus Randall and Robinson versus Omer Yurt Seven and Bam Adebayo, or Randall and Robinson versus Love and Adebayo is a clear advantage in New York. And so, yes, Adebayo is great, but is their front court better than the Knicks? Yes, Butler's great, but is their is their wing tandem? You know, is their wing core? All right. Is there a wing core better than the Knicks? Um, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, you know, Hero, if he's he's like a playoff wing to you, I guess, but he's a guard to me. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think the Knicks are a, a better team right now. That's why they're ahead in the standings. Um, but Butler's the best player on either team, and that gives them a shot in the series. Absolutely. Um, now, of course, if the Knicks play, if the Knicks run into the Heat in a non regular season game, that either means that somehow um, we have a Knicks Heat Conference Finals or um, we play them in the play-in. And good Lord, I don't want to play that. Now, you want to talk about I do not want one game against Miami and Jimmy Butler? Want no parts of it whatsoever. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants delivery just two minutes also eating vegan or veggie is a snap with factor each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't and if you're looking to mix it up you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week get factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle simply choose and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door don't hesitate head to factormeals.com slash film school 50 and use the code film school 50 to get 50 percent off your first buy Again, that's factormeals.com slash film school 50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Let's go to our callers. Um, 
So I will say this, Robert, you can either start or you can close. It is up to you. I'm happy to start. Okay. The floor is yours, good sir. Let's do it. Uh, Sean, I just want to thank you for the late start time. I appreciate it. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? Bro, I went to bed at 11. I was asleep by 11.30 Eastern, and I woke up at 8 o'clock. So I, that is the most sleep I've gotten in weeks and i'm not going to i am not going to not i'm not going to rule out the possibility that um you convinced me via brainwave from ben oregon to take my behind to sleep instead of staying up and watching um 21 and 20 and 19 year old kids try to play basketball that i bet money on that's good i want to make sure that you're well rested i know what happened at that uh at one playback, but we won't talk about. Okay, that. let's address this now. Let's 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 address this. Okay, um, for those who do not know, um, if you're not a patron, you should be a patron. We watch a game on playback once a week. Um, we watched on playback the me and the casuals and, and GMAC watched uh, Knicks Kings, and I decided to consume something that would give me energy. Let's just put it like that. And, you know, have the vibes go up and the vibes were up for a while and then the vibes were down for a while. And at halftime, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I did. And I made the mistake of getting something to eat on my couch. And the next thing I knew, it was 430 in the morning. So um, that bad job by me. And that won't happen again because uh, the Knicks will not play a game that tips off at 10 o'clock for the rest of the year, even if they make the NBA Finals. Go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Okay. I'm glad that we got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a fun stretch. I, I think it's interesting because the playoffs are coming soon and there's going to be a lot of takes about who we should play, who we want to match up against, and all that type of stuff. Um, when I think about it, I really think we're on an accelerated learning curve. You know, people are going to be worried about playing Cleveland or Philly. I'm not I'm not worried about Cleveland. I'm not worried about Philly. Um, I'm not worried about Boston. The, the only team that I would be concerned about and a seven-game playoff series in the East is Milwaukee. It's the only one. So I think what we're going to find out in the spring is we, we are big dogs. We're going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I fully believe it. I, I'm not wait, waiting for the offseason and what stars we're going to trade for, what we need to do. And I was talking to Menza earlier this week. You tell me um, what team in the NBA – is better positioned now and five years from now than the Knicks. Is there any other team in the NBA who's better positioned now and five years from now than our team? If the Knicks were a small market team, I would say that teams with comparable or worse asset bases in big markets would be better set up. But luckily for the Knicks, they planned to operate like a small market team despite being a big market one. And what they did was they said, well, small market teams have a disadvantage, right? Okay, we're going to have a disadvantage. We're going to 
try to compete and rebuild at the same time. That's our disadvantage. The cool thing is we're not going to have trouble getting guys to come to New York. The cool thing is we have good players already. We just got to use them right. The cool thing is we got a draft team. We got a draft team we trust. We're going to keep the pipeline full of young talent. And now when it's time to attract stars, oh, by the way, one of the best run teams in the NBA is located in Manhattan. That is why you are correct. I appreciate that, Chris. The only team, so Menza, the only team Menza said he felt was in a better position was OKC because of uh, SGA and all the draft picks. But I, but either way, if you look at it, uh, what I think Rose, Chet being a question mark, Chet being a question mark still, you can put the Knicks in that number one spot. If he comes out game one and looks great, okay, Knicks, Knicks in two, OKC in one. He's also looking to be injury prone, so. I, I, I wish him a successful career. He was number one on my draft board ahead of Boncaro. The reason for that is because I think he will be a killer power forward in this new era of seven-foot fours and fives sharing the court. Um, you got guys like Naquan Tomlin in, in this year's draft that look like they're going to help shift the role players in the league towards that direction. Guys like Bull Bull helping shift the role players of the league in that direction. You got guys like Chet and Wemby who can help shift the stars of the league in that direction. I think, you know, that's why the Knicks wanted OB developing a perimeter game because his style of play is dead if that becomes the case. And and so what is he going to create against Chet? What is OB going to create against Bull or, or Wemby or any of these guys? That's why the league is going in, in, you know, this direction and whatever is because teams have found another advantage, which is all of a sudden there are seven footers that can pass, shoot and dribble. Pokashevsky kind of being the teaser of this new wave. I like that, Chris. But uh, just to kind of wrap it up real quick. So when we looked at the playoffs, I think that we've got some serious strengths. Like Julius isn't going to have to do it on his own. And I, I agree with Chris's take that, Brunson is a star for anybody that watched the playoffs last year. He was a dominant player. He's going to take the heat off of uh, Randall. RJ's getting the basket, so I'm not worried about that. There's two other things that teams are not going to want to deal with. We have the best bench in the NBA. We have the deepest team in the NBA, and physically we're going to beat your ass. No one's going to want to play us in a seven-game series because we're going to go into the rim time and time again and, and – that's a lot to – that's a big handful. Like, just agreeing with uh, Menza and also Sean with you, the only team that I think we're a decided underdog against is Milwaukee. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thank Real you. Real quick, the only thing I'll say is that – and I've said this to anyone who will listen. I actually think we're a sneaky bad matchup for Milwaukee. I don't think we'll beat them because clearly they have the best player in the series, but – Everything that this team and this head coach does defensively neutralizes what Milwaukee wants to do. Back to seal the paint off, give up threes to certain shooters, and Milwaukee can't shoot three. So, uh, so I would say this: the game six scenario I gave about uh, Milwaukee, I'm not about uh, not Milwaukee, about Cleveland. I would, I could see. Wow, it's game six. Uh, uh, Bucks are up three two, but. Then they're only up one with 30 seconds left. And wow, if they win this, they have to go to Milwaukee for game seven. Um, I, again, they have, they have Giannis. I'm not going to play my side, act like, oh, we can be, win a series when the other team has Giannis. But 
I, I think to your point, Robert, I don't any nobody wants to play us. And we know one team already doesn't want to play us because, you know, leaks. All right. We're gonna go to Chris and we'll go to Jake and then we'll wrap it up. Chris, thank you for your patience. Thank you for waiting. The floor is yours. Thanks, guys. Um I just have, you know, if obviously if the Knicks can't get it done this year, um, I think they gotta make a change at head coach. Um and I think, you know, can't get it done meaning other than look, don't win a get to the Eastern or? Conference Finals at least. At least the Eastern Conference Finals. So you're so you're saying that if they cannot beat Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or um, Jimmy Butler or Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like that that's a failure of a season and the coach needs to be fired. At least the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. So basically, I think they need to look externally for head Ooh. coaching candidates. I think they need a guy who loves New York and a guy who knows the numbers. My candidates that I'm looking at are Stephen A. Smith. You know, yeah, that's really unfunny. So you know what's funny. You know, you know what's funny. You know what's funny. You know what's funny. I saw. I that's. I saw his Avi, and I saw what was in the. I saw he had a block profile, and I saw he had a. Uh, his header was the freaking Phillies, and in his Avi in the background was some barstool stuff, and I was like, mm. so that's on me. I'll take the blame for that one. Um, I'll give him credit, though. He actually started off like uh, a lot of people on Nick's Twitter started off with. That's why he got that got, got to go that long. Um, but good job. Um, all right, let's wrap it up with Jake. Well, go ahead. Clearly, clearly, everyone was laughing. So we had the you know, <laughs> comedic genius up on the stage. That's that's just like, that's when I realized that I ruined my own childhood a bit because I'm 20 and I just don't find that funny. And it's like, I should find that so funny. It's like, yeah, just grow yeah, up. When he says, yeah, it was just like, uh. but the problem is, again, his take did not sound as ridiculous as. <laughs> no, it was absolutely ridiculous. He said if the Knicks don't win the Eastern Conference Finals, it's a failure. Of no, what I mean by that is clearly. could have suggested Rhett Holdsman as coach. Like, that was a bad. No what, I, no, what I mean by that is his ability. His, he was clearly trolling. But saying that he thinks that Tibbs should be fired if they don't make the Easter Conference is a take that a lot of people in our fan base on this app who aren't trolling has. That's who that, so that's why he got so far, and which is a shame, but whatever. All right, we're going to end with Jake. Jake, if you're trolling, we will remove you, although I don't think you are because you look like you're a grown-up. Um, but Jake, the floor is yours. What's going on, guys? I appreciate you for uh, giving me my call. Good afternoon, um, sir. So I was kind of thinking this, like, I'm going to piggyback off of Chris, but not, like, the part where it's crazy. I think we do need to make a change. I think uh, – All right. Did we get God again? No, I think he just oh, – Oh, he just left. left. Okay. Because the last thing I heard yeah. him say is, like, I think we need to make a change. And then it went silent. And I thought maybe – All right. Well, Whatever. All right, well, that is that ends KFS Comedy Hour. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. Um, one more, one more to add in there um, for everyone that says that former players' opinions are gospel. Kevin Garnett says Drew Holiday is the Bucks' best player. See, I, I will give, I will give, I will give Kevin Garnett some grace in that he probably means that he might be the most important player. But then again, that's what pl- no, he doesn't. He, I, th- this is the, oh, this, this is the media that pushed that Middleton was better than we had to hear Kendrick Perkins tell us who Batman was and who Robin was for an entire year until he was just shut up. He was shut up. 
I, you're right. I forget there are people that still hate Giannis because you know. Oh, I never didn't. I didn't. I didn't have Kevin Garnett as a member of Bag Twitter, but whatever. I'm I'm still blocked by M Grads if you know who that is because I tried explaining to him that people thinking that um, Giannis was better than AD wasn't actually a conspiracy against American born athletes. He said like it's an industry wide conspiracy to grow the game, so they're like discriminating against AAU American players in favor of just like handing awards to foreign born players. I was like, yeah, Marcus Smart really earned that DPOI, man. Like Jesus. Um, he probably, listen, he's probably doing you a favor by blocking you. And with that, um, thank you for everyone for joining us. Um, appreciate the time. Um, we'll be here next, next weekend. I'm going to look at the schedule, the next play. I should scroll down. Okay. So the Knicks actually don't play Friday or Saturday. So we'll probably be on one of those days. I'll figure it out. And then I'll confirm with Robert Cross if it works for him. Not really, but maybe. B-ball. But maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm telling the truth. Maybe I'm not. I put I put the, after. Well, I was, just so Robert knows, I texted yesterday. I was on the way home from my grandparents. I said, Sean, when was it that the boss trademark emoji wanted us to do study hall? He said two p.m. I said two p.m. It is. So that is. You know, we're here for you guys. Just because Robert is the loudest and proudest doesn't mean that the rest of you cannot also reach out and, and recommend or request showtimes. But given that Robert is a big supporter and out on the West, we like to accommodate him because he likes to come hang out and talk ball with us as, as do the rest of you. So as, as, as a little closing remark, don't be afraid. You know, the same way you send in questions asking us to talk about certain things, tell us when to talk about those things. Tell us, hey, could you do a show later, early, or whatever? We might not listen, but we'll hear you out. We will read your messages. We will thank you for sending them. And as always, we thank you for listening today. We thank you for calling in today, for sending in questions today. You guys are this show. You keep the show going. Sean and I just pilot the plane but the plane has a lot of auto steering um you know we got to do our checkups and whatnot and our setup and give the safety warnings to the to the passengers but you know this plane steers itself and that's because of you guys so thank you all for for popping out um with us throughout this season and i'm gonna say it again this is my third study hall saying it you know there there's no way to know when you're in the good times but i'm telling you you are i'm telling you you are in the good times um Carmelo Anthony's entire Nick tenure, uh, all of the disappointment started somewhere, and it started with expectations. Daniel Lubovsky made this point on TikTok, and, and it's a great one. Um, Daniel's a really cool, fun, funny Nick fan, if you don't know him. And uh, he explained how all, all the mellow disappointment came from expectations. This Nick team expectation, you know, 39 and a half wins from Vegas. That's, why, that's what made we here so great. No one saw that coming. That's what makes this so great. No one saw this coming. This is going to be the last year where nobody sees the Knicks coming. Enjoy it. Well said, Chris. Well said. I think we can sign off on that. So for Chris Persianen, I am Sean for W. Thank you for listening. Knicks Nation, let's ride. Let's ride.